Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband, Josh, wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? Yeah. And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. We need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry. And then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church. Exactly. Knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Hey, I'm going to read something. I just want you to listen. Listen to this psalm. I have yet to preach a psalm ever, and I'm going to do that today. So this is my first time. I did it once for a class, uh, Bill Doctrine's class, oddly enough. It's my second sermon ever for a grade, um, and I got a C on the grade. So um, we'll see how we do today. (laughs) Shooting for a C plus. Let's go. Uh, Just kidding. This is going to be good. Listen to this, Psalm 73. I don't want you to go there. We're going to dissect it, but I want you to listen. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me... My feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. 
They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up their waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Amassing, always free of care. And they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept myself pure in heart. And I've washed my hands of innocence. All day long I have been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children when I tried to understand all this. It deeply troubled me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, quickly swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. And when you rise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a, a dumb ox before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. You, and afterwards, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish, and you will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell all of your deeds. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. We are in a series called Encounter, Finding God in the Ordinary. And last week we looked at one story of one person's encounter with God, Moses and the burning bush. And today we're going to look at this character. His name is Asaph. I don't want to talk about Asaph. But Moses, what we learned last week is that uh, a few things that I wanted, for those of you that weren't here, to remember. First of all, number one, Moses reveals to us that you can be full of yourself with God. That you don't have to pretend with him. That you don't have to be somebody you aren't. That you can bring your doubts, your questions, your fears, your angers and confusions to God and he can handle them. Point number two is that Moses didn't allow who he was to get in the way of being obedient to God. He didn't allow his questions, his doubts, his fears, his insecurities, um, his anger to get in the way of following God. The third thing is that burning bushes are all around us. And if you need to know what that is, you'll have to go to our website. But God is looking for opportunities for us to partner with him in our everyday lives. Simple things always. And the fourth point is this. God, when he, he asks us something, he asks what's in your hand, not what's not in your hand. It's brilliant. What God wants to know is how can you use what you already have, not what you don't already have. And fundamentally, looking how, learning how to be spiritual is just becoming aware of who you are and who God is and learning how to partner with him in the ordinary things. Now, we just read Psalm 73. And of all the stories I could share with you of people encountering God in various ways in the scriptures, this is a unique one. Um, but as I was praying for the series and I was, as I was praying what's on my heart, I wanted to share this psalm because this psalm has ministered to me throughout my years being a leader and being in ministry. Um, Asaph in particular is a unique character that many people don't really know. Um, we don't really know who he is. We don't know much about him. There's a few things we know. But I love this psalm because I feel like it's the everyday psalm. 
And what I mean by that is we can all relate to it. It basically preaches itself, doesn't it? Just hearing what was shared, you can already relate to the story that's going on. And as I was thinking about encounters, and you hear stories of people um, encountering God in prayer and having their life unraveled, falling on the floor and weeping and hysterically being met by God in such a supernatural way. But what happens to that person is Monday comes, right? And then by Friday, that experience is something of the past, and we, we don't really know what it meant. We don't really know if it had any effect or change in our lives. So what happens from Monday to Saturday, right? If our only place of encounter is Sunday, how do we learn to live our lives uh, where our lives are mostly lived, right? <sighs> I was thinking, if the places that I encounter God are the mountaintop experiences, but most of us live not on the mountaintop, but in the everyday life, how do we learn to be faithful to God in those moments? Are you with me? And I think this psalm, is, is, this psalm speaks to this is how do we remain, remain faithful to God in the everyday, ordinary life? If you have a Bible, go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. I want to introduce you to Asaph. Who is this guy? I'll actually go to 1 Chronicles 11. We're not going to read it. We're just going to look at the subtitles. Um, because I want to frame Asaph as a character in the scripture that was just a powerful leader. Um, and, and this psalm is a confession from his heart and his, his spirituality. And we can learn from it. So we're asking questions. What do we learn from other people's encounters with God? What do we learn for our spiritual lives, for our lives in general? What do we learn about God from those encounters? And what does it mean for us today? So that's our goal for this teaching, is to make Psalm 73 make sense for us. But in First Chronicles 11, what you have is David. He becomes king over Israel. He's King David. Um, he conquers Jerusalem. And then, I don't know, verse 10, David uh, kind of identifies his mighty warriors, or the scriptures talk about his mighty warriors. And I love these guys. Um, have you ever heard of David's mighty men, David's mighty warriors? These guys are the all-star warriors. If we were going to do like a men's retreat, we would spend all of our time looking at how awesome these, these dudes were because it, it lists these guys and so he becomes king and then it talks about the, the, the generals or the men that, that he had around him that, were, that were, they were responsible for the army of Israel and they were responsible for defending Israel and, and these men were awesome. One guy kills 300 men with a spear in one battle, right? William Wallace on crack, like on steroids, just like... <laughs> He's just like freedom with a spear, conquers 300 dudes. This guy's like a man's man. Um, he, he clearly wore skinny jeans. But anyways, that's beside the point. And, and deep V&X. But anyways, we're going to keep going. Uh, but it goes on. It lists all these guys. And it gets to another guy killed 300 dudes with one spear. I mean, these are like the generals, generals. These are the men. <clears throat> one dude, um, Benaniah. I love this guy. Um, he kills uh, two of Moab's uh, like mightiest warriors. Um, and he kills an Egyptian that was seven and a half feet tall who had a spear and all he had was a rod. Like it's just like th this is what he did. Um, he killed a lion in a pit. Like he, on a snowy day, he fell into a pit and killed the lion probably with his bare hands. Like this is, this, these are the guys that David has around him that's responsible for the army. Army. These are the best of the best. These are the elites. These are the men that, that are leading the, the military of Israel. Are you with me? First Chronicles 16. So then David brings the ark back to Jerusalem. Now the ark was um, where the Ten Commandments were held and it was put in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. And that's represented the presence of God during this time. 
And verse 1 of 616, I want to introduce you to this. It says, uh, they brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. That's a big deal. They're celebrating this event. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, to uh, thank and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief. Who is Asaph? Asaph is the chief Israelite, the chief Levite, excuse me. He's responsible for all the worship pastors and ministers in Israel. He's the head pastor of all of Israel. He is the man when it comes to spiritual things. He was a musician, and his task was to lead all the other worship leaders, the Levites, all the other people responsible for offering uh, sacrifices and burnt offerings. He was overseeing all of the spiritual health of Israel. And when you compare him to the dudes that were responsible for the military, Asaph was that kind of dude for all the spiritual things of Israel. His task was to go before the ark and give thanks and praise God on behalf of Israel. His task was the spiritual health of Israel. He was responsible for the spiritual health of a nation. He was the spiritual guru of his day. He was a musician. And he's the guy that writes this psalm, Psalm 73. Go back to Psalm. And I'm just going to break it down. We're going to talk through it. And then I'm going to share my observations like I did last week. And then we'll worship and um, pray for one another. And we'll go on and have our, our, the rest of our Sunday. That's what we're doing today. Um, Asaph was the, was the man. And he was seen as the spiritual leader of Israel, next to David. Asaph was the chief Levi, and he starts off this psalm, and I want you to just think about it from that sense. He was the spiritual leader. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those that are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. In other words, I nearly missed it. He's confessing publicly that as the spiritual leader, he almost blew it. He almost burnt out. He almost missed the point of leading Israel. And he just begins with this, this unbelievable confession. And how did he miss it? How did he miss the fact that as he goes day by day in front of the ark and ministers on behalf of Israel, how did he miss who God was as he worships, as he leads people into worship? This is what happened. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I'm just going to list out what he does. He begins to see the wicked and everything that's going on in their life. He, his, he begins to shift his eyesight and begins to look at everyone else. Now, in the Psalms, what you need to know is this is a common theme. The life of the wicked and the life of the righteous. The life of the righteous are those that live their life and they follow the path of God. In other words, they're, they're righteous, they're faithful to God. And that path leads to life and blessing and abundance uh, and, and spiritual truth. That's what you'll hear about all the time. And the wicked are those that are ungodly, that don't follow the path of God. And they, uh, what you see in the Psalms is they'll contrast the righteous and the wicked and the wicked will lead to destruction and the righteous leads to a path 
uh, of blessing in God. And so what he does is he begins to talk about how he was, he was noticing the world. He was noticing his brother or his sister, his friends um, that have lots of money, that weren't following God, that weren't practicing his ways, that weren't saying no to life in certain things that would bring pleasure and, and joy and prosperity. They were saying yes to those things. And this is what he noticed. He says, uh, they, they saw the prosperity of verses 3 through 12. He, he makes a list. Uh, he saw their prosperity and envied it. Uh, they had no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Is anyone here tired of being sick? You're so faithful to God and yet you keep getting sick. Something keeps, your household is constantly going through the symptoms of flu and cold. Or, or maybe you're struggling with depression and anxiety and you've been filled with joy through the spirit. But seasons of depression come on you. Have you noticed that the friends that aren't Christian, that aren't walking the path that you're walking, they seem to be healthy, in good shape, and having no problems? Have you noticed that? That's what Asaph's struggling with. It says that they're free from common human burdens. They don't have any worries at all. They just go on. They're taking vacations left and right. They're just doing their thing. It says they, he says they have no limits. They're pretentious and arrogant in one translation. One translation says they wear the latest fashions. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to confess publicly about that, but I can totally relate to that, you know? <laughs> The new Kanye shoes came out, and they've got the Kanye's already. Anyways, just kidding. It says they bully their way with words, one translation. It says they, people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They're popular. They say one thing and do another, yet people go to them, and they're popular, and they're, that people listen to them. And it says, I love it. He says, look, at the wicked are like, they're always free, free of care. They're carefree. And they go on amassing wealth. Asaph is aware of others. He's just aware of what others are experiencing. And he, he's paying attention to it. And he's like, God, where are you in this? And he looks at his life in a life that was probably full of sacrifice, full of, full of uh, frustration at times. But one thing that we're seeing in the psalm is, is he's just open and honest with where his heart really is. In the psalm, as a leader, he's saying, I almost slipped because I was watching my brothers and sisters do what they were doing. I became envious of the cars, the house, the vacations. I noticed that they, they weren't struggling with their physical health. They, they just seemed like they're having a blast. And he talked out loud about it. And then verse, verse 13, he says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and I have washed... Um, my hands in innocence all day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. He's saying to God, like, I'm following this path, but where has it gotten me? If I, went, if I did what they did, it, I would be like them. I'd be amassing in wealth. I'd be carefree. But every morning, what is he doing every morning? He's going before the Ark of the Covenant and offering worship on behalf of Israel. And he's saying every morning brings new punishment. He's just saying, this sucks. <laughs> this isn't good. I'm so jealous in his heart. He's just revealing to us this honest, honest confession to God as a spiritual leader for an entire nation. And then there's a turning point. 
Or he keeps going on. He says, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. He's like, this, this doesn't make sense to me. And for those of you that have ever struggled with this, that how can those that don't know God be so successful? How can, those, how can there be injustice in the world? It just doesn't make sense. It troubled me deeply. And then he says, verse 17, this is the turning point for Asaph. And this is what the encounter is for him. As every day he goes before the Lord, every day brings new punishments. It says, until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I entered the place of public worship, until I entered a space where people were encountering, worshiping God on a regular basis, until I did that, did I understand their final destiny. In other words, his, his pain, his anger, his frustration, his his jealousy, his envy, everything about him. He, he didn't run from God with it. He ran to God's sanctuary. And in his sanctuary, he pressed in with all of that jealousy, with all of that frustration, with all of that doubt. He pressed in and God met him right there. And he was aware of the final destiny. You see, we're all going somewhere, but we're going to end up in different places. And the question is, where are you going to end up? Because when he saw that, his perspective was changed. In fact, worship changes your perspective. And sometimes, you don't even have to be the one worshiping to change the perspective. You could show up to a bunch of people worshiping God, and you're an innocent bystander. I can't believe this person has their hands up and they're crying when they're going through what they're going through. How can they worship when they're suffering with such pain? with such fear and doubt when they're sick and there's an end date in sight. How can they worship like that? And you're a bystander. And all of a sudden you realize we're all going somewhere. And God opens up your perspective and gives you something new to see. And for Asaph, that's what he needed. He needed to go before the sanctuary of God. And then he realized the things he, were, he was looking at. So he goes on and he says, actually, I nearly lost my foothold. And he says this, surely you place them on slippery ground. That how suddenly they are destroyed and completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. In other words, he's like, there's no meaning or significance in all of the stuff I was jealous of. That nothing matters more than God. That the, your body doesn't mean, matter more than God. Your health, your diet, your money, your stuff. All of that stuff doesn't matter compared to God and where this whole story, this whole world is going. And Asaph was aware, he was awakened in this encounter to what is ultimately true. And that's the power of this particular encounter. Asaph is reminded as he questioned his calling and purpose, he is reminded of his identity and the identity of others by simply entering into a place of public worship. This was the turning point. And I want to just make a quick side note. I hear this all the time. People are always asking me, Darren, how do, how do I experience God? How do I open myself up to God? I come forward for prayer and I never feel anything. I'm never experiencing anything. And I hear that. That was my journey for a long time. You know what I say to them? Hang around people that are experiencing it. Just, just show up. And hang out with that guy that keeps falling on the floor, keeps going up for prayer, and keeps, minist keeps weeping in a worship gathering. Because something is going on in him. Just see what's going on. Just hang out. The second thing I recommend is this. You're so consumed with yourself having an experience. Start praying on our prayer team for others to have the experience. And I guarantee you will have an experience. 
Because it's not about your experience with God, it's about our experience as a church. And when you give it away, the power of God is demonstrated. If you get to be a partner in watching someone else get healed, if you get to witness that in prayer, how amazing is that? Will your faith be, be encouraged? Every time I have a word for somebody and they're like, that was right on, I'm like, awesome, yeah. God, you're real, again, you showed me. Thank God I was doubting this week. <laughs> So that's all true. Psalm, and it continues on. <laughs> How suddenly they are destroyed. And then he says, look, when my heart was, I love this. I love this. When my heart was grieved, when my spirit embittered. He's just saying, like, I was, I was just grieved and angry and embittered. I was mad. He's like, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a dumb, basically a dumb ox before you. Like, I'm just an idiot. And he's like, he's like, but yes, yeah, I'm in your presence still. Despite the fact that I'm not bringing my best, despite the fact that I'm just ruining it, despite the fact that I'm, I'm literally wandering around as a dumb ox, like just a stupid beast. I'm in the middle of your presence. He's like, I'm still there. I'm with you. You take me by my right hand despite how I showed up. What does that say about God? How good, is this good news? In other words, I've got, I'm doubting you, God. I've got nothing to give. You're, I'm just, I want all of this stuff. That's what I want. I don't want this. And yet God meets him and he's just, he's like, man, this whole time I was with you. And I'm still with you. And you guide me with your, with your counsel. And afterwards you take me into glory. Whom have, and then he's like this perspective. Look at this perspective. Who have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And this verse, this is the verse that has, that has really ministered to me in seasons of darkness. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I have no strength. I have no strength to give. God's the strength within me that gives. Is that good news? That's good news for somebody here. Those who are far off will perish. Like the, the way of the wicked will end in disaster. And then he just confesses through this whole confession. Look at, but as for me, it's good to, meet, good to be near God. It's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge or my home. That's my home now. God's presence is my home. And I will tell of all your deeds. I'm gonna go tell everyone about this experience. So this is Psalm 73, as, we, as I break through or broke this down. Um, and as we recognize that this is a spiritual leader of our day, a significant person that influences the spiritual health of Israel. I wanna talk about a couple of observations for us today and then we'll just close. Um, and what this does for us, first of all, my first observation is that everyone is going somewhere, okay? And what this Psalm reveals is, is, is that everyone's going somewhere. You're either on a path to life or on a path to destruction. That the wicked are going somewhere and the righteous are going somewhere. And the question is for you, where are you going today? Do you know your destination? I'm very confident in where I'm going and where this world is headed. I know that, I don't know how it's gonna get there, but I do know at the end of the day, there's Jesus. And at some point you have to decide, yes or no. A path of life or a path of destruction. The first thing the psalm reveals to us that God matters more than anything else. Jesus is greater than your health. He's greater than your success. He's greater than your family or your spouse. He's greater than your career or your diet. He's greater than your dreams. Jesus is more, period. And you have to decide, is he enough for you? 
If, you, if not, then go after all the other things in life. Alcohol, drugs, partying, sex, girls, guys, it doesn't matter. That won't amount to anything down the road, guaranteed. And some of us have experienced that life. And we can stand as a testimony that says that leads to destruction. Hear us now. The life that really matters is found in God and Jesus. You have to choose. And you choose every day because as this spiritual leader tells us, it's very easy to get sidetracked. Jesus is good right now, but then you see that you're going through crisis in hell. And all of a sudden, man, it would be way easier if we just stopped. Why would I keep showing up to Sunday? Why would I keep saying yes to God in these ways? All it's brought is destruction. All it's brought to me is pain and heartache and suffering and weight and anxiety. Lord, when are you going to show up? And then you have that experience. Oh, okay, I got it. I'm good. I'm going to keep going today. Thank you, oceans, or whatever it was that you were worshiping. <laughs> I'm not harping on oceans. I love that song. Second, <laughs> it's, an in, it's like a, now it's an inside joke for all of us here, but it was once an inside joke for our staff and it's beautiful. I just, Pete Genta loves it. So anyways, part two. <laughs> Prayer includes the whole spectrum of, our, of the human condition. Let me say that again. Observation two. Prayer includes the whole spectrum of the human condition. Prayer are not, is not simply kind words or generous thoughts about or towards God. Prayer is bringing your entire self, whatever that is, all of your pain, all of your brokenness, all of your anger, all of your frustration, all of your doubts, all of your anxiety, all of your emotions, all of your sin to God. And let me say this, whatever that is, it does not change what God thinks of you. However you come to him, with fear and doubt and in the midst of the worst kind of sin, it doesn't change the fact that he loves you. What he wants is for you to direct your life in prayer towards him. And if all you have today is panic attack, then bring it to God. If all you have today is the cancer diagnosis, then bring it to God. If all you have today is the fear that that prayer won't be answered, bring that fear to God. That's what life of prayer looks like. That's what spirituality is. That's it. There's nothing greater than to direct your entire self as an act of worship, even if that's sin, even if, that, if that's brokenness, even if that's addiction. It doesn't matter. All of that can become prayer. God can handle it. In fact, he doesn't want to handle all the pretend because that's not really you. You don't need to start in your prayer journal, oh, holy one of God. If all you have to say, God, where the hell are you? Then write that down and fall to your knees and ask it over and over again. Again, he can handle it. I found myself on the bluff this week, running at 6 a.m. I was just praying out to God. I was going through some stuff, feeling anxiety, carrying this, this trip. And I just cried out, literally weeping on the bluff. And I like had a hood. So I'm like, I got my boy in the, I have my boy, I'm pushing him. I didn't want him to see me cry, but I do all the time. Anyways, I'm pushing him. Cars are driving by, people are, I'm just like crying to one worship song. Just, just God, I just need you. And he just met me as the sun rose. It was just amazing. Just weeping for our church, for the city. It was so good. I'm like, why am I afraid to cry in front of people. Well, one reason was that, you know, people come up and they're like, are you okay? Do you need anything? I'm like, leave me alone. I'm in this encounter with Jesus. <laughs> and they're like, I know I've got a word. No, they didn't say that. 
Hey, on a, on a complete side note, true story. I was a jeweler before I was a pastor. I sold high-end jewelry. It was amazing. I was making tons of money. I was flying to New York and going to L.A. They were buying me suits, and they offered me this full-time job. And then I got offered this job at Rock Harbor, and I didn't know what I should take. I knew God called me to ministry, but all of a sudden, I was like, I could have lots of money. I could have awesome cars and suits and, and be a jeweler flying to New York and L.A. Every, every week. That would be amazing. Some people don't really like that, but I'm talking bling bling. And for those that come from the background of hip-hop, bling bling's a good thing. <laughs> hip-hop. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a tally going in our staff for how many times they bring up hip-hop and dancing. But anyway, so... I go to Newport, I'm on the pier, I, I go, to, I have to decide, I go, I'm like, God, I just need to hear from you, I sit down, God, I just need to hear from you, these two girls come up to me and say, hey, we're praying for people randomly, and we just felt we had a word for you that you should take the job at the church. So let, let me just tell you this, I was a dumb ox before God, because it took a stranger at a pier to tell me what I already knew. Some of us follow whispers. That's far greater faith than I had back then. Number three, everyone struggles, even leaders. Just letting you know, I love Asaph's confession because he gives an example of what he struggles with, what everyone here probably has struggled with at some point. And it leads, he, he models that to lead is to lead from a place of brokenness and pain. That his platform for ministering to everyone else is that he had this open confession, this open uh, understanding that, that he, he almost missed it. And because he, he had that experience, he's now able to minister to us thousands of years later. For those of us that have also almost slipped. And I just need to say, we have to give leaders grace. And this isn't just for me, it's for everyone. We're going to mess up all the time. And there are things that do, disqualify you for church leadership. But we have a culture of grace, don't we? God can do a lot with brokenness, can't he? He can do a lot with, of, of things with dead things, right? He can do a lot with dead things. He resurrects those things. And if you're here and you feel like you're disqualified, you're not. God's got a plan for you. God's got a place for you. God's got a calling for you. And if you think because you've de- you did something back then that, that is too bad, that's not true. Restoration is for you as well. We all struggle. I got two more and I'm done. Asaph brings his struggles to God first. Oh, this is for our church and for our generation. In a, in a world where we just start talking about everything, we broadcast it publicly via social media before we've processed it, processed it internally. Do you know what I'm talking about? We make our lives like a public display to our friends, to our communities, to, our, to community group pastors, to our community groups. And we haven't fully processed this ourselves. And we haven't actually brought this stuff to God first. Some of us, when we're feeling emotions and things, we're feeling struggles and brokenness, we're dealing with sin. We go, we check out, we go to alcohol first. We go to the gym first. We go to Netflix first. We go to social media first. We don't first go to God with our stuff. Asaph models for us a spiritual practice that when you're going through it, bring it to God first. Let him give you perspective. Right? And that's my last point. That perspective is everything. And worship changes your perspective. And if you're going through a tough season, you can jump into the scripture, read the word. If you're going through a season of doubt and pain, the most effective thing in my life is to worship God through it. It's despite how I feel, what wanting to do, I don't want to do it, I do it out of discipline. I turn on worship music and I worship God out loud. 
And most of the time when I have an encounter with God, it is when I'm pouring myself out to God saying, you are so good. Even when I don't feel like it, I have to tell myself, you are good. I don't feel it right now, but this, this posture, this, this thing, I know. And then eventually, it's all of a sudden, actually, he is good. Actually, it is all about you. All the stuff I'm worrying about, you, you have the final say on my wife's health. You have the final say on where this whole world is going. You, it's all about you. And when you go there as a discipline in worship, your perspective changes. And all of us need better perspective. Amen? All right. Good. I did it. So everyone is going somewhere. Prayer includes the whole spectrum of the human condition. Everyone struggles, even leaders. Asaph brings his struggles to God first, and worship changes your perspective, and perspective is everything. And so the question I have for you is, where are you today? We're all in different places. Some of you need to say yes to Jesus today for the first time, or as a time to remind yourself, as a, a, a reminder or a reorientation, you need to choose Jesus today, because we're all going somewhere. Some of you have been afraid to bring the stuff that's really in your heart to God in prayer and the invitation in this new journey is to, to bring it to God. Some of you are struggling and you feel like you can't share it because you're in a leadership position somewhere or you're afraid what people are, are gonna think and you have permission from the lead pastor of the Garden Church to share your struggles openly because we're not gonna judge anyone. Jesus gets to judge, we don't. We get to stand next to you and say, we struggle too. And he knows what it's about. Some of you are here and you need to bring it to God and you just need to stop gossiping about stuff in community. That's a side. And lastly, we all need to worship. So let's stand. We're gonna, we're gonna wait on God and we'll pray for people. <clears throat> I thank you for uh, part participating in this, this gathering this morning. But I just wanna invite you to just close your eyes and invite the Holy Spirit. We, did this, we do this every week. We just want to create space for the Holy Spirit to minister to us this morning. And really, we just want to pray for people that need prayer. So if you're, you're here, close your eyes and just invite the presence of God to minister to you. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org. Well